All right, I had a I had a cold like two weeks before Christmas, and I can't get rid of the cough. So good luck this morning. All right, you might get lots of coughing through the speakers. All right, um, some of you are like all the moms in the room, like you should go get that checked out. Right, probably should. All right, but I haven't yet. I don't feel bad, just a lot of coughing. Okay. All right, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. Um, So we are in a two-week little mini-series here. Before we start Revelation, you can uh, pray for our pastors as we preach Revelation. Uh, We were going through a meeting a few weeks ago on that, and we were like, "Ah, there's a lot. All right, so you can pray for us as we jump into that and we figure out uh, what God wants us to communicate to you guys uh, as we jump into it, but we are excited about getting into that. But we're in this two little two weeks here before we start on rhythms. All right, so we usually do this at the beginning of a new year, maybe even some other times throughout the year, where we talk about some spiritual habits that we need to have in our lives to help us mature as disciples. And so, <clears throat> last week Jake talked about the rhythm of God's word in our lives and how we need to approach the scriptures and read the scriptures. And so we're going to put God's word. um, That was the focus last week. This week, the focus is God's people. All right. Sorry. And so we need to have this rhythm of being together with God's people. So we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, But when we, we do this at the beginning of a new year, because oftentimes that's the time where people are thinking about kind of restarting their lives a little bit, which you could restart at any point, but we often restart at the beginning of a new year. And we restart, and it kind of gives, the world would say, it kind of gives you a, a fresh chance to become a better you, right? To be somebody better. Now, we're at church this morning, so I think we can all foundationally agree that a better version of us is a, is a group of people or individuals that look more like Jesus. Can we agree to that this morning? All right. There we go. We got some cough drops. All right. Thank you so much. All right. My pocket is full. Got more now. All right. I love it. <clears throat> all right. So, she's like, I don't want to hear you cough the whole time. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So, better version of ourselves is a one that looks more like Jesus. If we become more patient like Jesus, we're going to be better versions of ourselves this year, right? If we like know the truth more like Jesus, then we're going to be better versions of ourselves. If we commit to God at all cost like Jesus, we're going to be better versions of us. Now, What's hard is we try to do that on our own. We try to become better versions of ourselves, like without God's help and without other people's help. And that's where we start getting into this spot where we just want to quit, right? Like some of you are going strong with your New Year's resolutions. Some of you are a weekend. You're like, ah, yeah, I'm done with that, right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, all right? But you'd be more humble like Jesus, right? So, like, but some of you are like, yeah, I'm ready to be done. Some of you want to quit, and you need some encouragement from other people to keep going. But I don't want us to just think this morning, how can we be, a, like, a better version of ourselves and be more godly and more like Jesus just for this year? But how do we endure and persevere and become more godly over the course of a lifetime? Like, what's going to prevent us from just wavering and drifting away from the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a group of people in the Bible this morning that were right in that spot. 
Not trying to become better versions of themselves, but what they were trying to do is like, we want to pursue Jesus, but that's not what we're used to. And we really want to go back to what we're used to. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to go to Hebrews. All right. We spent a long time in Hebrews, but we're going to go back there. We were finished that up about a year ago, but we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25. We're going to spend most of our time in verses 24 and 25. So and we'll, we'll fly through the first few verses, and then we'll spend most of our time in 24 through 25, all right? So, again, this is a group of people who are wanting to go back to their roots, and we're going to talk about that a little bit and kind of give up and not endure, all right? So, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, that's where we're going to start. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places... By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through, the, through his flesh. Some of you are like, I don't know what this is talking about because we're jumping in chapter 10, all right? So therefore, I'm going to say it again. We're going to say it often because it's going to help you when you read and study your Bible. When you see it, therefore, you ask, what is it? Therefore, all right, some of you roll your eyes because we say that often, but as you're going through your Bible reading plan, when you come to a therefore, you need to go, oh, let me go back and figure out what was being talked about right before that so I can understand what the author's intended meaning of this passage is, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you understand really quickly what the book of Hebrews was about, and then we'll talk about what chapter 10 was about leading up to these, this verse, all right? So... In Hebrews, you've got a bunch of Jewish background believers. So these were Jews that have converted to Christianity. And during this time, we know, looking back on it, that they're kind of stuck in between two persecutions that had happened. All right? And so there is this pressure that if you're going to endure and persevere in your faith, that it's going to cost you something. And it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. So the temptation for these Jewish background believers, the Hebrews, was to go back to their Jewish faith and say, ah, I really like Jesus, but that's kind of hard following him. And in this world that we live in, it would be way easier just to go back to the sacrificial system and the priest and all that kind of stuff. So what they're doing is they're kind of teetering here on like, yeah, I really like Jesus, but I really like what I'm used to. How many of you have been there before, right? I really like Jesus, but I kind of like my old habits. I kind of like my old way of life. I kind of like my old religious upbringing. And what the author of Hebrews is trying to do throughout this entire book is to say, hey, I know you have your system, but Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. So every time there's this temptation for you to turn back to the sacrificial system, remember that Jesus is better. Every time you think that you need to go through a priest in order to gain access to God, remember that Jesus is better. So when we get to chapter 10, he's going to specifically talk about those two things, the sacrificial system and a great priest. And what he's going to do all throughout the beginning of chapter 10 is say, Hey, that whole system of offerings and sacrifices that you guys are used to, you don't have to keep doing that anymore. Every time that you sin, you don't have to keep making a sacrifice because there's been a sacrifice that's been made that is sufficient once for all. And that was Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. 
he is better than your old system. And look, when he dies on the cross, if you remember, when Jesus dies, the veil of the temple was torn, right? So there was this veil that prevented the people going into the holiest places, the holy of holies, all right? Only a priest could go in there one time a year. And when Jesus dies, that veil was torn so that we gain access to the holiest of holies. We gain access to our holy, righteous God because of what Jesus did. He said, why are you going to keep going back to your priest? Why are you going to keep going back to your sacrificial system? There's no need for you to do that because Jesus' way is better. Jesus' way is greater. So that's what we're coming off as we get into these first few verses here, all right? So he starts out, therefore. So that's what it's there for. The sacrificial system, Jesus' death, was sufficient for all. And then he says, therefore, brothers. Also, brothers and sisters, all right? Some of your translations say that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, he is talking about the family of God. He is directing this letter to the family of God, the people of God. And that's what we're going to spend the majority of our morning talking about, why you need a regular rhythm of the people and family of God in your life. All right? So, in this language, therefore, brothers, since we have this confidence... Now, there's lots of language in here that's plural, all right? There's brothers and we and us and our. Those are going to come up over and over. And there's even a plural you at the end. I'm from the South. I'd say y'all right there, okay? So, like, that comes at the in verse 25. But this all this language of this is what we do together. This is talking to us, how we do this together, all right? He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places... How do you gain access to the holiest places? Through the blood of Jesus. This new way, this new, like, through his body, not through this curtain, through this veil anymore. You have confidence. You can go there. This is a far better way to live. So you have this confidence because you have this access and to enter into the holiest of holies. And then, verse, continuing in that, it says... Since we have a great high priest. So you have, since we have this confidence and since we have a great priest, you can have access to God. And that's the foundation of this whole passage that we're talking about this morning. Is that this foundational piece of, man, you can go to God. You can go directly and confidently to God because of the blood of Jesus. Now, as a result of that confidence, as a result of having this great priest, what do we do with that? Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is the first of three let us statements. So we have this confidence. We have this great priest. Now let us do it. And there's going to be a couple, two more after this. So this first one is let us draw near to the Lord. All right, you can go to the Lord. Go do it then. Go draw near to the Lord. Don't just hang back and be like, I don't know if God really wants me to come to him. He goes, confidently, go to the Lord. Drawing near to the Lord is a must. And you've got to realize that it's an incredible privilege that as the family of God, we get to draw closely to God. He's the prize. He's the treasure. And we can run to him. That's an amazing thing. An incredible privilege. And then in verse 23, let us... Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
For he who promised is faithful. So I want you to draw near. You have this confidence. You have this great priest. So run. Draw near to God. And hold fast the confession of hope without wavering. Again, they were teetering here, right? Like, I really like Jesus, but I really like what I'm used to. I like Jesus, but I like what I'm comfortable with. And so they're kind of wavering here. And what the author of Hebrews is saying, Hey, guys, because of Jesus... You don't have to be stuck there. Our God is faithful to you. You don't have to be in this like, I don't know what to do. Like He goes, hold fast. Take a firm grip on what? The confession of hope that you have. The confession that Jesus not only saves you from your sin, but he's the Lord of your life. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. You hold on to that. You don't let that go. Let that hope be solidified. Because of this confidence, because of this great priest that you have. All right? And why do you do that? Because he who promised is faithful. You have a faithful God. You don't have to waver in this any longer. And then the third letter statement comes in verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You have this confidence. You have this great priest. Draw near to God. Hold on to that hope. And now let us consider other people. Now, considering others here, again, we're talking about the family of God, brothers and sisters. We're not talking about just considering everybody. Should we consider other people outside of the family of faith? Of course. But this passage is talking about the people of God. And he goes, I want you to consider. This is not a on, the, on a whim moment. This is not a spontaneous, oh, I should think about them like, oh, they just popped in my mind. It's an intentional consideration, an intentional thinking about other believers. That needs to be a part of our lives. Where you're waking up considering how you can stir up a brother and sister in Christ to love and good works. Where you go to work thinking, how can I help them become more like Jesus today? Where you consider how you use your home and how you use your money and how you use your time to stir one another, to provoke, to spur one another on to love and good works. That's the type of people that the author of Hebrews is calling them to be. Hey, you need to intentionally consider others. Considering others and not just yourself is a mark of a follower of Jesus. As one of God's people, we have to consider others. But this flies in the face of our culture of individualism and self-centeredness. Where our whole culture is like, okay, what can I do to be a better me today? Like, new year, new me. I'm going to push everybody else aside and just focus on me this year. That is not not the way of Jesus, guys. To just focus on us and miss everybody else around us. If you just consider yourself all the time, it will prevent you from living the life that Jesus has called you to live. If you can't intentionally stir others up, you can't do that if you're just considering yourself all the time. You can't do that. It's hard to consider other people when all you think about is you, when all I think about is me. 
It's not the way of Jesus. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter 8, 34 through 36. And calling the crowd to him, Jesus, with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jake referenced this last week as well. A mark of a true follower of Jesus is self-denial. Like, naturally in our flesh, what we want is us. And the author of Hebrews is saying, you got a confidence in God. You can draw near to God. you got a great high priest. Quit thinking about yourself all the time. Consider other brothers and sisters. Consider the family of God that he's put you around. And not just consider them, but consider how you can stir them up to love and good works. And the Apostle Paul echoes it this way, Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, some of your translations, instead of count, it actually says consider. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. And we're going to stop there. Paul said, hey, I want you to consider others more significant than yourself. I don't want you to just look to your own interests, but I want you to look to the interest of others. Why? Because that's the same attitude that Jesus had. That's how Jesus lived his life. And if we're going to follow Jesus, that is the life that we are to live. To considering other people, considering our brothers and sisters, stirring them up, provoking them to want to be more godly. So how do we do this? Let's look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So how are we to consider other people? He says, don't neglect meeting together. Like you... You have to meet together with other Christians if you're going to consider them. Do you understand that? Like, it's, it's the whole out of sight, out of mind principle, right? If you don't see people regularly, I promise at some point you're going to stop considering them. Like, <clears throat> I've moved several times in my life. I always have friends that go, and I probably have said it at some point, like, hey, we're going to stay in touch. We're going to, like, we're going to call each other all the time and like there's one friend that I talk to or two friends that I talk to all the time for the most part right all those other people we were we had great intentions but we just don't see each other we live our lives he lives his life I live my life we just don't see each other and it's out of sight out of mind and the same thing happens when it comes to considering others and how we can spur them on like if you're not gathering with believers it's going to be really hard to remember to encourage them It's going to be really hard to spur them on to something. Considering others is really difficult if you never interact with others. So we've got to regularly show up in places where other believers are. Why? Because that's your faith family. Like how are you going to be family if you're never around them? How are you going to be like members of one body like Paul says in 1 Corinthians? How are you going to be members of the body only just showing up randomly? Like, 
Oh, I need a, I need an ear today in our body. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that once a month. I'm good with once a month. That'll be okay. Like, no, nobody does that, right? The average, 60% of the average churchgoers in America go to church one to two times a month. 60% of the average churchgoer goes to church one to two times a month. And you go, that's not our church though, right? We took some numbers this past week of families that check their kids in. To, with kids check in, to, you know, kids go into kids ministry. The majority attend one to two times a month. This is not just somebody else in America. This is us. Where the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, don't neglect meeting each other. Like, you've got to consider one another. Like, how are we going to do that showing up one to two times a month? I think I'll be okay. I'm all right. Like if we can confidently approach our God and we can hold fast to Him because He's faithful, why would we not want to be reminded of that more regularly than once or twice a month? So my wife's from Louisiana. I lived there for 13 years. And in Louisiana, we love gumbo, all right? Some of you, anybody had good gumbo before? I'm not talking about Iowa gumbo. I'm talking about good gumbo, all right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not hating on Iowa. You're just not, you're not near the, we're not near the coast, all right? So, like, throw some of that stuff in there. It's just weird because I don't know how long it's been out of the ocean, all right? <laughs> but when you're in Louisiana, like, it just came out of the ocean, right? But the, the base of a good gumbo is a great roux, all right? And to take this roux, you've got to, like, you put your ingredients in the pot... And then you got to stir. And you got to stir a lot. And you got to keep stirring because the worst thing that can happen to your gumbo is for your roux to burn. Because then it's going to mess up the whole thing. So you have to stand there and you just stir. And you stir. And you stir. And you keep stirring. And then finally, like, man, this is good stuff. Like, this is going to make the gumbo really good. But you don't get the product you want if you're like, oh, you know what? Oh, a kid yelled over here. I got to run, take care of them. I got to run, do this. I got to run, do that. Because your roux is going to burn and it's not going to work anymore. Like the roux, the product that you want is not going to work if you're not present. If we're going after being a more godly church, it's not going to work if we're not there to stir people up. We have to be present among each other to stir each other up and to consider one another. You got to be there. Now, <clears throat> what if somebody needed stirring in this room and you, you decided, I don't want to be there today. And you were the person that God could have used to stir them up to love and good works. But you chose to sleep in. Because I don't think that anybody wakes up just one day and goes, you know what? I'm done with those church people. I've had enough. I'm never going back to church. Just one day like that. There's very few people that that happens to. I think for most of us, it's a really slow drift that you wake up one day and you're sick. You got a stomach bug. You got a massive fever. Guess what? We don't want you coming to church that day because we don't want that. Okay? So you can stay home. It's totally okay with us if you stay home that day. All right? One week, you missed. Well, the next week, your wife gets it or your spouse gets it. Take care of your spouse. That's okay. Stay at home. Take care of your spouse. Well, then the third week, it's run through your whole house and now all your kids have got it. Take care of your kids. 
Well, then the fourth week comes by, and you go, man, we're really tired because we had a stomach bug for the last three weeks. I think we're just going to stay out today. And then the next week, man, work was really hard this week. I don't think I'm going to show up. And now, before you know it, you've missed five weeks in a row. And then five weeks, that month turns into three months, and that three months turns into six months, and that six months turns into a year. And... The next thing you know, you haven't considered anybody else but yourself for the last year. I think that's how it happens for most of us. We don't just wake up saying, I'm done with those people. It's just this slow drift. And then we, get, we go, I, I kind of okay being by myself. I kind of like the isolation. And isolation isn't just some like post-COVID thing. Like, for, for isolation to not be good, that's like a post-creation reality. Genesis chapter 2 says it this way. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a, him a helper fit for him. Like, never has it been okay for you to be isolated in your life. You need other people to help you be more godly. This is from the beginning of creation. Adam needed a helper. He needed somebody else around him because it was not good for him to live his life by himself. And the reason it's not good is because it's rooted in pride and we're like, I don't really want to listen to anybody else. I really like the life that I'm living. I like the sinful choices that I'm making. And if I jump into community and if I have to go to a connection group, somebody might find that out and I might have to stop it. And there's this root of pride there within isolation. Guys, life living on an island seems really good for a little while. And if you've seen the movie Castaway, like what ends up happening? You start talking to volleyballs all the rest of your life, right? That's not good. <clears throat> when I was <clears throat> doing youth ministry in Baton Rouge, I had a family and four great kids, high school and down. <clears throat> and uh, the dad decided that he was done with life, and he committed suicide. And I remember sitting, counseling some other friends that were kids that were in the in the youth group, <clears throat> and one of our elders from the church was there that knew this guy pretty well. And I'll never forget what he said. He looked at all of us in the room, and he goes, "Hey guys, I just want you to know this life. This guy lived his life on an island." Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody could speak in. And he got to the point where he said, I'm done with life. And nobody was there to go, no, 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 don't do that. He lived life on an island. Guys, living life on an island is not what you were created to do. Living life isolated from other family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, is not how you were created to be. Isolation is never good, and it's going to prevent you from considering others. It's going to prevent you from living out the one another's of Scripture. It's going to prevent you from acting like family. So how do we consider others? We regularly gather with them. And then the second part of verse 25, it says, but encouraging one another, but encouraging one another. It's hard to stir somebody up to love and good deeds without encouraging them. Now, I think there's probably three groups of people in this room this morning. There's some of you in here 
that you're at, maybe you're out of the habit of meeting together and you're back here. Today's your first time back in a while. I love that. I'm glad you're here. There's some of you in here in that group that you've been church shopping, whatever that means, for a long, long time. Too long. And you've gotten to the point where you're just consuming and you're just taking. You need to commit to a church. It doesn't even have to be Veritas. Commit to a local church where you are under the authority of leaders and you are being taught the word of God and the gospel is being proclaimed and God is being glorified. Quit just taking. Quit consuming and start considering others and encouraging them. Second group of people is a group of people you show up regularly. You're at your connection group. You're here every Sunday and there is mutual encouragement happening. And I look around this room and I see so many of you that are doing that. And I love it. That is the kind of church we want to be. That you don't just come and take. Like when I interact with you, man, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to be more godly. There are so many of you in this room that are like that. And then I think there's a third group of people. It's the people that go, yeah, I show up every week. But the idea of encouraging somebody else has never crossed your mind. But I show up at my connection group every single week. I'm a faithful attender. And you can't remember the last time you encouraged somebody in their godliness at your group. Because the bar here is raised higher than just being in close proximity with other believers. He goes, I don't want you to neglect meeting together. What I want you to do is not neglect meeting together and encourage one another. Like We come to church differently because we have confidence to approach God because he's faithful. We don't come to church with a like lens on of like, what can God do for me today? But it's now, what can God do through me today? We move off the self-centered approach. Like, what can I get out of coming to church? What can I get out of showing up at Connection Group this week? Like, what if you went in and, man, God, I want to encourage somebody today. I want to help somebody to be more godly today. God, give me an opportunity to speak words of life into somebody else when I show up at church, when I show up at my Connection Group. Guys, the author of Hebrews, he's just raising the bar. A mature disciple does not just show up. But again, I think there's many people in this room, you're okay with just showing up. And God's going, no, I don't want you to just show up. I want you to show up and encourage your family. Like, draw near to God because of Jesus and stay near his people. Draw near to God and stay near his people. Because other people's godliness is on the line. Guys, the people of God have a direct effect on other people's godliness. The people of God have a direct effect on other people's godliness. Your godliness is directly affected by God's people. And you need God's people to grow in your godliness. And other people need you to grow in their godliness. You need God's people to grow in your godliness. And other people need you to grow in their godliness. You know what that's like. Some of you are like, man, I have a great desire and this plan to be like more like Jesus. But you seem to be stuck there and drifting away. Why? Because you're out of the rhythm of being together with God's people. A few years into our marriage, 
Um, it was New Year's, and I decided, hey, I'm going to make a resolution this year. I'm going to stop drinking, like, Cokes. Now, if you're in the South, Cokes means, like, any kind of, like, Coke, Sprite, Mountain Dew is just referred to as a Coke, all right? I think we're, we're talking pop here, all right? So I'm going to quit drinking pop, all right, for, for, the, for the sake of this next year. I think I'll be healthier if I do that, so I'm going to stop doing it. Two days in, I had the Coke, all right? I was done. I didn't even make it three days, all right? Well, a few days after that, <clears throat> Erica asked me one night, hey, how's that going? I was honest with her. Oh, I had a Coke yesterday. Like, she goes, looks me in the eye and says, you have no self-control. Like, shot to the heart, man. Now, before you start hating on my wife, she doesn't sugarcoat anything ever, all right? And she was spot on with her assessment. And she was spot on with words of admonishment and rebuke. I was not trusting the Lord and not depending on the Spirit. And I needed somebody else to tell me, a sister in Christ who just happened to be my wife, to say, Man, that's not who God's called you to be. Like a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And you're just depending on yourself. You couldn't make it a day depending on yourself. Many of you have been there. I want to be more like God this year. I want to be more like Jesus. And you make it a day. You're like, yeah, I want more like Jesus. I was actually worse today. And you need somebody else in your life to say, hey. No, that's not the way we're going to go. Let me help you be more like Jesus. But that's not going to happen if you're out of the habit of meeting together. If you have no rhythm of meeting together. That's not going to happen if you've drifted away from Jesus and nobody's encouraging. Guys, you'll grow in your godliness. You'll be reminded of your sinfulness. You'll be reminded of the gospel of grace. You'll be stirred up. You will be encouraged to hold firm and not waver. You will be reminded of God's faithfulness and you will draw near when you're being encouraged by the family of God. Yet some of you are out of that habit. But don't we all want that? Don't we all want that? Of course we do. We've got to encourage others when we show up at church. People need your encouragement. And this is not some like return the favor thing. Well, I'm just not getting a lot of encouragement from anybody else, so I can't encourage anybody. You have confidence to go to God. What else do you need? Like you can go to God faithfully because of what Jesus has done. I'm not saying you should go forever without encouragement, but we can't just say like, well, nobody's encouraging me, so I'm not going to encourage anybody else. Like that's not the way of a Christian. Now, again, don't hear me saying that every person doesn't need encouragement. We all need to be encouraged. But don't just make it this like reciprocal thing. Well, if they're, once they encourage me, then I'll encourage other people. No, no. Guys, when people in our church leave your presence, are they more stirred up to love and good works? Don't underestimate the power and the impact that you can have on someone else's godliness. Don't underestimate that. So what do you do with a sermon like this? If you don't have a church, find a local church, commit to one, make the decision, and just go. Be a part of it. If you're like, I want Veritas to be my place. The easiest step is to take starting point. All right? It's a simple step. 
That's the first step that you all should take. Take starting point. Then we'll help you get connected beyond that. For others of us in the room, my hope is that we begin to come to church differently. Not to just consume. We go to our connection group not to just consume, but how can we start encouraging each other to be more godly? At the end of verse 25, it says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more. So keep encouraging even more as you see the day drawing near. So as the family of God, we're anticipating a day to come. And the day to come is when Jesus returns. And as we all go, man, I want Jesus to come back now. The world seems to be going further and further away from God. Can Jesus just come quickly? We're going to see that at the end of Revelation. Please come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that day is approaching. We don't know when it's coming, but it's approaching. And as we look to that day, it says, you need to encourage each other all the more. Because life's going to get harder and harder and harder. And there needs to be more and more encouragement as we anticipate the Lord's coming. As you do it, and the you there, that's the plural y'all. In my translation, encourage each other more often as y'all see the day of Christ's return getting closer. When we know that there's an urgency to this life, we need some things to happen more frequently. We've had a couple ladies on our staff in the last two weeks that had babies. And you think of a lady being pregnant and as the urgency of that day draws closer where you're going to have a baby, you have to go to more and more appointments, right? There's more frequency to those appointments because something's coming and you've got to be on the right page. You've got to be on the same page. We want to be encouraged in that. How much more the day that Jesus returns? Man, he's coming back. And meanwhile, it's hard on this earth. And while it's hard... Let's not be a people who isolate ourselves, but let's be a people that gather regularly and we encourage each other in that, as that day approaches. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. God, thanks for the admonishment, God, to not neglect meeting together. God, help our church through your spirit to be a group of people who encourage each other. Who don't just think about ourselves, but we consider others. God, we want to be that kind of church. But God, it's too hard to do that without your help. So Father, I pray that your spirit would be so evident in our lives and it would come out in our kindness and our encouragement. And God, I pray that our body would be stirred up to love and good works because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.